I just pray for a second. God, I just want to thank you for this moment that we get to sing songs of truth about you. Pray for every one of us in the room that wherever we are in our understanding, our acceptance of you, our knowledge of you, our pursuit of you, God, that today you would reveal yourself to each person here in a new way, in a fresh way, in a way that's transformational. And I pray that you would encourage us today as we look at these words that Jesus spoke about himself and how important and specific they are for every one of us, that he will meet all of our needs. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You can have a seat, that'd be great. So eager to be with you today, as Mark said a while ago, October already, oh my word, it just goes so fast, right? Uh, I was in one of those stores that you're not supposed to go to on the hill, you know, uh, the other day, and they already have their Christmas decorations out and Christmas presents, and so just all that that you look at, and it's flying and it's moving quickly. So here we are, we're in a fourth week of this series that we started, and it's all about Jesus in his own words, as he spoke his words saying, here's who I am, so that we could get to know him. And so for some of us, we, you know, we wonder who Jesus is. We wonder how he's going to, you know, what did, what did he say, and can I believe him? And uh, this is a great series, just to get to know a little bit about who Jesus is. But as we talk about what he said about himself, we're looking at some words that were recorded by the Apostle John. And uh, he, seven different times he said, I am, and he followed it with a definition or description. And just beginning, when he uses the designation of I am, he's designated himself as God. And so everybody who's listening to him would have known that that's exactly what he was saying when he said that. Uh, if you want to read about this, you can read in Exodus 34.3. Or you can go back to the very first week, and I really kind of framed the whole thing that we're looking at and how important it is that we understand that he's declaring he's God. And then he made these seven statements, each one beginning with I am, I'm God. And so basically what he's saying is he's saying, here's who I'm going to be to you. Here's who I'm going to be to every one of you, each and every one of you. Here's who I am in my own words, and here's how I'm going to meet your needs, because I'm your God. So far, we've looked at the I am, the bread of life, and that was talking about the fact that he'll sustain us. We looked at I am, the light of the world, and we talked about the fact that that's, he's going to illuminate our path or illuminate the way to go for life. And then last week, I am the door. And he talked about the fact that he's protecting us at the door of the sheepfold on who gets in and who gets out, and it's there for our protection and how we have access to the Father. Now, every one of these metaphors were all based on physical items, bread, light, and door. All are physical items. But today we're going to move into a personal item. We're going to talk about him as a shepherd, as a person. And so he's saying to us, he says, here's the kind of relationship as a person that I want to have with you. So I'm going to invite you to take out these message notes that really help you a lot. Stay focused today, doodle, whatever you need to do to stay tuned in. Love to have you take these out. And you'll maybe even write some notes here. All the Bible verses we'll use will be here. You can open your Bible to John 10. That's where we're going to be today. And we're just going to pick right up where we left off last week as uh, Pastor Mark spoke. And so just encourage you, if you don't own a Bible, we want to give you one. So right out there, there's some bookshelves, and you can just grab a Bible. It'll be our gift to you. Take it into your own home, and you can have it there. You can just write at the top. It just moves into chapter uh, 10, verse 11a. It says this. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. So last week, we talked about the fact that uh, we just left off the fact that he was the door, and he describes himself as the one who lets 
people in, lets people out, and lets them, you know, keeps intruders out, keeps us safe in that way, that he's the access to God. And now he's just going to kind of take it further and say, I, I'm not just the door, but I'm actually the shepherd who cares for his sheep. And he designates himself as good. Now, the word choice that he uses here when he designates himself as good, he's not referring as much to his skill level as he is to his character. Uh, we know that Jesus grew up in the home of a carpenter, and so more than likely he picked up carpentry skills. In fact, some folks would look at his carpentry skills and then also look at the region he grew up in and say he might have even been a stone worker. And so more than likely Jesus wasn't a shepherd. And so just honestly, maybe his shepherding skills weren't that great, okay? Just think about that. Maybe he just wasn't the most skilled shepherd out there. So it wasn't referring to his skills as it was referring to his character, you can be a skilled shepherd and still not be a good shepherd, right? You know, people who are skilled at things, but they don't have character that goes along with that skill. The word good actually means that he would, you want to fill this under your blanks, noble or excellent. Noble or excellent. So it's referring to Jesus saying, I am someone of highest character. You can trust me. I'm noble. And you think of nobility and how that stands firm on something that they stand on is true. In the Greek, it actually means I am, this is how it would be phrased if you were just going to interpret right from the Greek language, it would be like this. I am the shepherd, the good one. So you got a shepherd, but I'm the good one. So you can trust me because I'm the one of character. By saying he was good, he was immediately creating comparison, okay? <laughs> because he was saying, if I'm good, then guess what? There are bad shepherds. And so he's creating comparison here. And so if you want to read about this and about God's indictments of the bad shepherds, and so shepherds were the ones that God had designated to take care of his people, his people he called sheep. If you want to read about the bad ones, just one example would be to go to Ezekiel 34, 1 through 10. You might want to write that down. Just read about what God says about bad shepherds. But he was also making comparison between himself and those who were leading people, the sheep of his day. So he was you know, actually in your face to those who were standing around him to say that you're bad shepherds and I'm the one who's good. So I'm going to talk a little bit today about what it means that Jesus called himself the good shepherd. And we're going to look at four characteristics that we can pull from these verses that we'll be you know, walking through today about this. And the first one is this, Jesus reveals himself as the one who leads his sheep. So he's the leader. He's the one to be out front, and he's leading. In America, when we look at, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been around sheep. Uh, I had the privilege of uh, working in Wyoming one time, and I was out in the sticks, and uh, it was in the high uh, mountain zones, and so there were shepherds up there, and so I watched them you know, take care of their sheep. And so uh, the way that we see it in America is, is that you have dogs that drive the sheep. And so uh, that's, but that's not the way it was done in Israel. Uh, and uh, in, even to this day, the shepherd would lead, the, sh the shepherd would be out in front, and the sheep would be following. So that's the idea here. Jesus is the good shepherd, and he's out front, and he's with us, and we are following him. This is what it says. I'm going to back up in verses 3 and 4 uh, that we looked at last week because it really specifically says this. It says, the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know him, his voice. So when we talked about the fact that Jesus was the light a few weeks ago, we talked about the fact that he's a light that can illuminate our path so we can see where we're going. He guides our way. But he does more than just erect street lights along the path. 
he says, okay, now there's light, and you can follow along with the light I've given you on the journey that we're on together. He's actually saying, I'm going to be there with you. So you don't even need, you know, like your GPS. You know, you don't even need Siri because I'm right there. I'm talking to you. I'm with you. And he's going to lead us to the best place possible. Now, Jesus told a parable one time. He told a parable about some sheep that got lost, the shepherd who had sheep, and one of the sheep got lost. You can read about this in Luke 15 if you want to. And says that the shepherd left the 99 safe sheep to go and find the one that was actually lost, rebellious. And what he was doing in that is he was assuring us that as we are being led by him, that no matter our pace, no matter our diversions, some of us get diverted pretty easily, no matter even our rebellion, because this sheep was actually one that wandered away rebelliously, Jesus is always there to lead our way. Now, many of us, we kind of feel sometimes like, you know, I kind of moved outside of God's loving leadership. Why would he lead me? I kind of moved outside of his loving, personal involvement in my life because of the decisions I made. I just want to encourage you with this. Jesus wants to lead his sheep. He wants to lead his sheep. Any point, you've said yes to Jesus Christ. You've become part of this family that he's talking about, part of being folded into his flock. And I'll just say this, no matter how far you've gone off the path, as long as you have breath, as long as you have breath, you can still choose to be, let him be your leader. You can still choose to follow his plan, and you can still know that he's ready to let you be folded into his flock. And for me personally, this was a huge deal for me when I came to him back to him after being way off the path to come back to him. He wants to lead his sheep. And so my response is that I'm going to follow his lead. If he's a leader, how am I going to respond? Well, I'm going to let him lead. I'm going to follow his lead as he leads, as he guides. I'm going to follow that way. And so folks, this is really when it comes, are you willing, are you willing to surrender and submit your will to Jesus? Are you willing to do that? You're saying, okay, you're the good shepherd. I got it. I'm the sheep. I can get that. And so are you willing to say to Jesus, Jesus, you just say the word. You just say the word, and I'm going to do it. I'll do what you say. I'll go where you go. Your will, your way, your time. You can trust Jesus. I'm going to do this. Are you willing to do that? Okay, the second idea that we're going to pull out of this is this. Jesus reveals himself as the one who cares for his sheep. So he just doesn't lead them just out front. You know, he says, you know, let them take you know, whatever, comes, whatever comes to them, what may behind him. He actually cares for them. And this is what it says. We're going to jump down now and follow the verses from 11b on after he said, I'm the good shepherd. He says, the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. How many of you are employers? Or have been an employer? Raise your hand. Let's all raise your hands. How many of you understand this? <laughs> the difference between you. How many of you own your business? And then how many of you have had employees? And you see the difference between the owner and the employee. Employee, the owner and the hired hand. There's a big difference between being the shepherd, the owner of the sheep, and being a hired hand who's there you know, making money to protect the sheep because when it says here that when trouble comes, the hired hand will actually run. There's a big difference between being 
an owner and a renter. Am I right? A big difference between an owner and a renter. I remember one time, in, uh, in order to get to my parents' house, uh, who live in the panhandle of Oklahoma, uh, we have to fly to Amarillo, Texas, and then we have to rent a car and drive three hours still to get to my parents' house. It's out in the, out to Hooker, Oklahoma, in case you never heard of that. It's a great place to be from, just want you to know. And so we, we, one time we got there when Ryan was, I, don't, I think he was about 14, it's like time to teach him how to drive. And so it was going to teach him how to drive. And so we had the rental car, and I said, okay, Ryan, let's go driving. So I get in the passenger seat and put him in the driver's seat, and we're in this rental car. Just remember, it's a rental car. Okay, and so we're driving out on a county. They have paved county roads there, and so we're out on this paved county road. And we're, I don't know, about six, eight miles out. And then I remembered as a kid that there was this road we used to like to go down, you know, when we were doing activities that probably I shouldn't talk about in church. And so we would drive down this road, and, uh, and we did have a lot of fun. And I wasn't thinking about what the road was like. So I said, hey, turn here, Ryan. Let's go down this road. And so we turned down, and immediately I knew we were in trouble because uh, it had ruts, you know, deep ruts, and then it had the center section uh, that was up high. And as soon as we got on the road, the tires were in the ruts, and there was no way out. Okay, so there's only way is to, well, there would have been a way. We could have backed up. But there was only one way, and it was forward, okay? So we went forward, and we're going along, and, and, and by God's grace, Oklahoma isn't like California that has rocks everywhere. It was basically, you know, dirt and sand. And so we're going along, and the whole bottom is just scraping on the bottom of the rental car. It's going, push, 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 push. And the car's bouncing. Push, push. Ryan's freaking out. <laughs> Inside I was, but I wouldn't go let him know. Uh, but you know what? The whole deal was he was freaking out, but I wasn't. Why wasn't I freaking out? Because I was a renter, right? I wasn't an owner. Never buy rental cars. You just never know where they've been. So let me tell you why this is so important that Jesus is the owner and we're going to let him, how he wants to care for us. Number one, sheep are vulnerable. You might want to write this down. Sheep are vulnerable. Now, Mark talked about this last week. Sheep are stubborn. Uh, how many of you have raised sheep? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you do. Uh, and so, you know, sheep will literally, if they're wanting to go somewhere and there's, you know, like rocks like this and they can see where they want to go, they'll literally just start walking and get in there and they'll just see where they want to be. They don't realize all of a sudden and they get stuck and can't get out. They, they just kind of can't figure that whole deal out. That's why they need a shepherd in some way. They're short-sighted, which causes them to go in the wrong direction. And so they miss out. They're basically defenseless, right? They have no claws or they have no fangs. Basically, their primary defense is just to call out, get back, you know, out of my way. <laughs> How effective is that, right? It's not effective. <laughs> they're, they're IQ challenged, I'll say it that way, for those who love sheep and they want me to call them stupid. Uh, uh, <laughs> And so here's, the, here's how their IQ challenge. When they get the chance to go free, uh, and you know, like most animals, when they get a chance to go free, they'll do one of two things. They'll either go home or they'll go to freedom. Sheep don't do either one. They just kind of stand there and wander around where they are. They don't even move towards freedom. Sheep are vulnerable, and therefore they need the care of a loving, good shepherd. Now, I hate to tell you this, but we're talking about us here. <laughs> You know, it can relate to all of us at this point, okay? Next, sheep are valuable. They're valuable. So in Jesus' day, uh, she is a primary source of commerce. And so uh, it was, you know, their whole livelihood. And so every sheep was valuable. And they, 
raised them for their wool primarily. Uh, and then so they would you know, keep them forever as long as they could. And then I'm sure they figured out another way to take care of the remains. Uh, and also that was a value as well. They, so they used every piece of the sheep in some way. So they were valuable, but also sheep are valuable. Now we take it in a spiritual sense, okay? Speech or, speech. Sheep are valuable in that God has said, you are my sheep, and I place high value on you. So sheep represent his people. And we read just a few moments ago that a good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. That's the value that sheep have, that the sheep have such a high value that the shepherd would be willing to give his life to protect. And so this is true of us as sheep. So we're vulnerable or valuable. And so God loves us so much. And Jesus cares for us so much as our good shepherd that he was willing to give his life for us. And so if you ever wonder if you're valuable, if you ever wonder about your value personally, you know, some of us grew up and we're either in circumstances or families where we were either told we didn't matter or we didn't measure up in some way. Somehow we were treated mis- you know, poorly by a spouse. Uh, and now maybe if you're elderly and you're being treated poorly by your grown children in some way. If you ever wonder if you're valuable, we have to rest in the fact that God says, you're so valuable to me that I'll give my son to die for you. It just gives us such strength. To know that's how valuable we are to him. So what's my response? My response is to trust his character. If he's good, I'm going to trust his character. Trust that he really is a good shepherd. Now, we've seen a lot of footage from the hurricanes, right? We've had three major hurricanes, a lot of footage from these, and how they've devastated everything in their past. Well, one um, video clip I saw that actually caught my attention. I'm going to set it up, and then we're going to watch it. Uh, was uh, about a man in Houston area. So this was Hurricane Harvey. Uh, the rains came down, the floods came up. And this man named Jeremiah, his name was rescued with his young son. And they were rescued with just what the, the shirt and the pants and what they could get in one small school backpack. That's all they have to their name. And they were, you know, been rescued by a rescue team. And as they're walking, they're walking through the rain that's still following and up water, you know, thigh high, deep water. And a reporter comes and he catches up to them to get their uh, reaction to what's been happening to them. So let's kind of watch this, okay? Up there? Tell me, tell me about your day. Man, we came home yesterday. It wasn't raining. 45 minutes later, we in the flood. And we stayed on the first floor of the apartments. And water just started coming in, so we went to the second floor. And so how did they get you in that basket? We climbed out the windows with the sliding doors, and they just shot us in. Okay, what's your name? Jeremiah. Jeremiah, what's your, how old's your son? He's sick, Jeremiah Jr. Yeah. We thank God. We thank God. And this is all yeah. we have? Yeah, this is all we got. We lost the car, all the clothes, school clothes, everything gone. Everything gone. Where do you go now? We don't know. We don't know. But you're thankful? Yeah. We thankful. God, thank you. God, thank you. Thank you. That's so powerful to watch. You know, um, to be in that situation, God is good, he said. And we thank God. All we have is what's on our back. How could he say that? Because he trusted the character of the good shepherd. He trusted in his character that no matter what they didn't have now, 
that God was still going to be able to take care of them in the future. So I just say this, when we're in a relationship with the Good Shepherd, when we're being comforted, when we're being strengthened by his loving care and his compassion, we can go through anything, folks. We can go through fire, we can go through floods, we can go through pain or suffering, we can go through difficulties or loss or challenges beyond measure when we trust his character. Number three, Jesus reveals himself as the one who knows his sheep. He knows his sheep. Verse 14, it says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my, my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. I'm just going to pause there a minute because you're like, what is he talking about? I have other sheep too that are not, of this, not in this sheepfold. So he's talking to the nation of Israel right now. They are in the sheepfold. They are God's people there. And he, when he's referring to other people who are not in a sheepfold, he's referring to who? Us. Us. Gentiles. That he will bring into the sheepfold. He's saying, I must bring them in also. And then he goes on and says this. All of them together, they will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock with one shepherd. One flock with one shepherd. When Jesus says that he knows his sheep and, and that they know him, it's referring to not just knowledge about... So he has, you know, like knowledge about, like you're sheep number 44, and you were born on May 5th, 19 whatever, and oh, Jesus is this. Not, not just knowledge about, not just uh, facts, but experience. So we've experienced him experientially in some way. He knows us intimately. And he's saying it's possible for us to know him intimately as well. Not just book knowledge. This is where you know a lot of, I would say, people who believe they're Christians and go to church, they, they believe it's all about book knowledge. If I can just have more knowledge, then I'm going to be able to have, be something I'm not, be able to understand life in a different way. But it's actually relational. The knowledge leads to relationship. The knowledge is not the end. And it says Jesus knows us, and there's beauty in that. He loves us. He loves us. Now, I can't tell you how much it, it means to me just to know on a regular basis that Jesus loves me deeply. He loves me. I know how much I love my kids. I don't know how much I love my wife. And I know that means a lot to them, that I love them like that. And I know they want to know me. But Jesus has the ability to love me in ways that they could never love me. And he calls me to know him as well. So what's my response to that, that his, he's speaking to me? My response is to listen to his voice. Listen to his voice. He said, my sheep know me, they know my voice, and they listen to my voice. So how do we listen to Jesus? I'm going to give us just some thoughts here about how we might listen to Jesus. The first one would be through the Bible. I just say that Jesus speaks to us through these, uh, the words that are written in the book called the Holy Bible. And so I just say it's why it's so important to read his word. And uh, in your program today, there's actually a card. It's just by coincidence. It happens to be in there today. But it's about a Bible reading plan, and so I, I love these. They, they actually you know, give me a guide, so if, you, know, you don't know where to read sometimes in the Bible. You just pick it up, like, what do I read, right? Well, this is just a guide, and you don't have to read everything here. You can just read one of the sections, or you can read a piece and just listen to God. But this gets, gives you a place to open up, and then as you open it up, then he starts speaking to you. He speaks to us through his Spirit. Uh, Holy Spirit awakens us to God's voice in our lives. Holy Spirit guides us, leads us, protects us, illuminates the word, opens it up to us, 
Uh, and so, actually, you know, folks, without the Holy Spirit, these are just words in a book. Just words in a book. But the Holy Spirit brings them to life, and we're able to hear them as God's very breathed words to us, that he's speaking to us. He speaks to us when we engage in spiritual disciplines like fasting or you know, observing a Sabbath uh, or m- memorizing Bible verses or through meditation in some way. He speaks to us in our gatherings when we come together as a church, when we get to sing together. Now, I, I enjoy the singing part of what we do together, and I'll just say this. If I was in public, I would never sing alone. Uh, if I would never sing. I you know, never go to bars and sing karaoke. That's just not me. It wouldn't happen at all. Uh, and that, I just can't do that. But I will always sing in public with you. So that's this. I will always sing in public with you. And when we're singing songs about God's great love for us, because when we're, when we're singing, what we're doing is that we're being reminded of how good God is. And so we're actually rehearsing God's goodness out loud. And there's such power in that because it, it's able to go deep into our hearts through the, the, the medium of music. And there's such power in that in our souls as we do that together. He also speaks to us through our circumstances. And this is probably one of the most difficult of all is to be able to interpret circumstances as God speaking and then knowing what God said clearly. And so this is why it's so important to be part of community in some way. So you have people that can say, you're thinking, okay, this is my circumstance. Here's what I think happened. And everybody in the room is going, no way. That's not what God's saying. But you think it is. Or it, everybody in the room is going, yes, I believe that's what God's saying. So follow him. So it really helps us to be able to be in community together. Okay, number four and lastly, Jesus reveals himself as the one who sacrifices his life for the sheep. Sacrifices his life for the sheep. Verse 17, the father loves me because I sacrificed my life so that I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. So he's doing this willingly. So this is part of being the good shepherd. He's not a hireling. Hirelings run. But as being part of the good shepherd, I did this willingly. I did it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. So Jesus is saying... I willingly am going to give my life for the sheep. And then we know that he did that. We know that he went to the cross, and we know that when he was killed on the cross, that it wasn't the Romans who made this happen. It was the fact that Jesus willingly gave himself to let this happen because he could have stopped it at any time. The Bible says he could have called down legions of angels to stop what was happening. But he didn't because he came for this purpose, to willingly give his life for the sheep. And so he's saying, when you look at the cross, what I want you to do is just to remember, as you see the cross, that is how much I love you. That's how much I love you. So I want to give you a picture of what that might help. So during the moments, once again, in Hurricane Harvey, uh, when the floodwaters were the most devastating, uh, there was a news story that went out about this lady. So let's go ahead and put her picture up here so we can see that right there. This is Colette Sulcer, a 41-year-old mom, and she had a three-year-old daughter. Uh, well, you know, long story short, she and her daughter were, got caught up in the rains. They ended up in a parking lot, canal overflowed, and they end up somehow out of their car, and they're trapped in this canal and floating down the canal, and uh, it looks like there's going to be, you know, they have a hypothermia setting in, and so she put her daughter on her back, and her daughter, three-year-old daughter, floated on her back. And so they're reaching a point where they're about to go under a bridge, 
And if they go under the bridge, it's going to, it's going to, it would, there would be no way that they could survive. And at that moment, they were rescued by rescuers. And as they were rescued, what they discovered was is that the mom had actually died. She'd actually drowned. But the daughter was saved. And the daughter said, my mommy was praying prayers to God as we were floating down the canal. I share that story because, folks, that's what Jesus did for us. That's what he did for us. He went to the cross willingly in his own volition, knowing that he was going to die for his sheep. And while he was on the cross, he prayed to God. Prayed seven different prayers to God while he was on the, on the cross. Communing with him, talking to him while there. And he was trusting himself into his father's hands. He gave his life. That's what he did for us. So what's our response to that? Well, I just want to say it this way. is to accept his sacrifice. Accept what he's done for us. And what I want to do is I want to jump back up with verse 10 that we ended up with last week. To help us kind of see a little bit about how we might do that and why it's so reassuring, this verse, to millions of people. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So these would be the hirelings, but this is even worse than that. This is the fact that we have an adversary that's coming after us to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus says, I, and here we would just insert the good shepherd, have come that they may. Would you underline that word may, circle that word may? May have life. And have it abundantly. So that word may is, is saying that there's a possibility for abundant life, but everyone's not going to receive it. You may receive it. You may receive this abundant life. We can have abundant life. We talked about that the first week. It's Zoe life. It's life beyond anything we can imagine or dream. When we surrender ourselves to him... And we say to Jesus, I'm choosing you as my good shepherd, and I want all that's possible in my life. So abundant life is available to those who choose. Those who say, I want what you offer. That's why that word may is so important in that verse. We may have abundant life when we accept the sacrifice that the good shepherd made on our behalf on the cross. That that made me able to have relationship with God. That brought me into the flock. And now as part of the flock, I can embrace all that the good shepherd offers me as being one of his sheep. And so the question is, will you accept Jesus as your good shepherd? Will you accept him in that way? Now, I want to end today by reading the 23rd Psalm. And in my mind, I actually would have been practicing pastoral malfeasance if I didn't read the most famous chapter in the Bible that talks about the shepherd. I love the 23rd Psalm, and I see in it, as David is writing, I see that he's foreseeing what the abundant life would be like that would be offered when Jesus came. So I'm just going to ask if you would, if we can do this. We did this a few weeks ago when Kim spoke. If you just kind of put your stuff down... And I'm just going to ask if you just kind of put your hands in your lap, open, palms up, not asking for a lot, just palms up, and if you just rest in that position, it's actually a position of surrender, it's a position of receiving, and I, and I just want to read these verses to us. 
I want you to listen to who God is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a place before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, I just want to thank you for the power in these words penned by David centuries ago. And God, I ask for everyone here that there be a moment now that we would be willing to say, that's who I want. I want you as my shepherd. I want to accept what you did for me on the cross when you died. I want to receive all the abundant life that's available for those sheep who are in your pen. I choose you, Jesus. And Jesus says, I choose you. I ask that you would fill me now. Fill me with your spirit. Jesus, I ask you that you would help me because I don't know how to know you. I'm clumsy at this. Help me, Jesus, to know how to know you better. Help me to engage with others that would help me to be able to see you, Jesus. To be able to teach me who you are. To show me your ways. And God, I just pray for each of us today that you would help us to... When we get into those moments of life when the rains come down and the floods come up. When we're not sure what's going to happen tomorrow that you would help us to say to you today, I trust your character. I thank you, God, because you are good. We stand in that goodness today. That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.